There was a man named Abraham who lived 2000 BC. That is about 400, sorry, about 4,000 years ago. God said to him that he would make of him a great nation. So he asked him to leave his home and he asked him to leave his friends and to go into a promised land and that he would be the father of many nations. He believed by faith. Abraham at the time was uh, of some concern. He was a hundred years old and he had not yet a son so that they might have the father of many nations. So he brings this matter towards God. God says, believe me, it'll happen. And so at the age when he is a hundred, when his wife is ninety, she bears a son and calls him Isaac. God is the God who will do things according to his promise and he chooses people who are his own. Well, this man Isaac, he uh, grew up and had uh, a wife and had two children, Jacob and Esau. In fact, it was really Esau and Jacob by age, but Jacob was the one who was chosen before they were born and had done good or bad. That is the God who in the end called Jacob Israel and he became the line of the promise of God. Right from the very beginning, what we find is God is God. He is the God of all. He is the chooser. He is the promiser. He is the one who determines. And so we have Abraham, so we have Isaac, so we have Jacob being justified by God, not because of their good works, but because of his mercy. Well, Abraham was also told that his descendants would spend 400 years in Egypt. So now we come to the passage before us in uh, Exodus 20 uh, and through those passages as we have here the people of God, Israel. Now, how are they faring? Well, they're a slave nation. They're in the mighty nation of Egypt. But still, they are God's people. We come to about 1400 BC and we look at the case of Israel. There is not much future for them, it would seem. The Pharaoh is dealing very harshly with them. They need a saviour. So, God hears their prayers and sends a saviour called Moses, who is how old? 80 years old, this man is. He is weak. He cannot speak in public. He complains when God says, you are to be the person to save my people. He said, I can't talk. He said, okay, we'll get your brother Abraham, Aaron, to talk. He'll do that for you. 
and so on, in excuses and excuses. Then he said to Moses, as he was shepherding these sheep in the plain of Sinai, the wilderness of Sinai, in fact, he says to them, says to him, through a burning bush, I will save this people and as a sign that I am the saviour, I will bring the people, that nation, that slave nation, to here in Sinai at this mountain. Well, it happens. God sends plagues upon Egypt and he delivers, he rescues this people and brings them to the base of the mountain. When they are assembled at Israel under Mount Sinai or alternatively you can call it Mount Horeb but under there this is what Moses reminds the people. He goes up to God in the mountain and the Lord calls him out of the mountain saying this is what you'll tell the house of Jacob, Israel, this is what you'll tell my people. You have seen what that I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself here. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice and you will keep my covenant, you shall be my very own possession among all the peoples of the earth. You'll be my chosen people and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In other words, like the priest tells others about God, you're the nation in the whole world who is going to tell people about the God, the only God, the creator God, the God of Israel. And you are to be a holy nation reflecting the character of God. Now, he then will have them prepare a covenant. So what he does is, he says to Moses, go and tell the people to wash themselves and cleanse themselves and I want them to come before me so that they can hear my words. And so Moses says that to the people and then they come up with this refrain, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Okay, so in three days' time, they're all assembled at the bottom of the mountain. Then, in that morning, on the third day, there were thunders and lightnings. There was a thick cloud upon the mountain There was a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought Israel out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire 
and in smoke and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain shaked greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And then God spoke to all the people. Nothing like that has ever happened in history before or since. This is an extraordinary situation where God comes down from heaven to this slave nation just rescued by him and saying they are his people, this weak people, this people led by an old man over 80. This people are his people and they are going to be his priests for the whole of the world so that the whole of the world can know about God. He starts off by saying, like a king announcing a treaty with people, with a vassal, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, you are to love me and you are to love my neighbour. Love your neighbour. Now, how do you love God? Well, it's pretty clear if you hear what God says. This is how you love him. I am the Lord your God. One, you shall have no other gods before me. You won't worship the gods beyond the river where Abraham came from. You won't worship the gods down in Egypt where you've been saved from. You won't worship the gods of the Hittites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the, all and the people in Canaan that you're going to go into. This is how you love God. He is a jealous God. He is the only God. He is the only God to be worshipped. Two. You shall not make for yourself any graven image nor the likeness of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God and visit the sins of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and show mercy unto thousands of generations of those who love me. No images, no snakes, No images. It's a word from God. You are to worship him. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You don't swear by the name of God and tell lies. God's name is holy. You don't abuse it in any way. You don't make fun of it. This is how you love God. Then, this is the other one now. What you shall do is, 
remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, the, the cease from day, that's what Sabbath means. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labour and do all that you have to do, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no manner of work, you and your son and your daughter, your manservant and your maidservant, your cattle and the stranger that's within your gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. There would be holy days in Israel, but this is the holy day. They had to stop and rest on that day. One of the problems with the Israelites, like one of the problems with everyone else in the world, is that we get so busy. Well, one day, stop. And what will you do in that day? Well, it's a holy day. You'll stop your work, so you'll just rest. That's what we're made to do. Rest. And then in that day, reflect on how you are living how you are treating your family, how are you treating your neighbours, what you are doing, are you doing everything for the Lord, are are there changes to be made in your life? This is a Sabbath day. That's for Israel. That's how you love God. That's the way to love God. Well, then you're to love your neighbour. Honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. All those actions. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. Oh, words as well. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, nor his servant, nor his maid, nor his ox, nor his ass, or anything that belongs to him. So also, at thought level, you are also to honour God. You are to love your neighbour. Now, at this point, when... The people received the thunderings and the lightnings and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking and the people were afraid and they stood afar off and then said to Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore, we will die. You go up now and get the rest of the commandments and bring them back and put them before us. And so that's what he did. There were laws concerning the altar and slaves and violence and property and restitution and religious laws, justice for all, sabbatical years, annual festivals and the promise of winning Canaan. So Moses came and read all of that to the people and what did they say? All that the words which the Lord have spoken, we will do. So, since that was all agreed, they then had a great ceremony in which they ratified the covenant. 
And he took the book of the covenant, Moses, and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. That's their response. Well, that was what happened 1400 BC with the people of Israel. Those ten commandments, if you're going to translate the Hebrew properly, or literally rather, they're actually words and they're called the ten words. Okay? What happens about 1,500 years after that happened is that the word came among us. The one who embodied all of that namely Jesus. The apostles pointed the people of the world, not just Jews, but now as Israel was to be a high priest and was to show forth the God of Israel to the nations, now that's precisely what the apostles are doing. They are going to the nations and talking about the God of Israel who has saved us. And so we come to 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, as Dorothy said right at the very beginning, he is speaking to Gentiles throughout that part of Asia where Peter had been, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. And he's saying to them, you are chosen by God. You are destined by God the Father. You are sanctified by the spirit of obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Then you are a chosen race. So friends, as we hear the apostle, whether it be a Peter or a Paul or a Mark or a John or a whatever in the name of Christ, and we respond to that, we are God's chosen people. I suggest we probably can't keep Saturdays free, but I encourage you to have special times when you just stop and reflect. Think of it. You're God's chosen people. You're the royal priesthood. You're scattered throughout the community. Why? So that God can have a look at you and see the God of all the earth. He can look at the people as they operate and say, that is how God requires us to live. You are the royal priesthood, you're the holy nation. You're God's own people that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. See, before you came to Christ, you were mucking around and messing around in a dark old world without hope, struggling like everybody else in the world these days, not knowing where to go. Let's fight wars. Let's be immoral. Let's be all those things. 
That's how we were. Well, we're not like that now. We are God's holy people. We who were without mercy amongst the Gentiles, amongst all the rubbish that goes on and religion and superstition and so on, we were there. But now we've been brought out of that darkness into light. We are the chosen people. We are God's own people. We are to declare God's wonderful deeds by the way we live and by the way we speak. We have now received mercy. Heaven is our home. We don't belong here. We are, as Peter says, exiles in this world. We don't belong, we're foreigners. We don't belong to this world. This is how we are to live. Well, Peter then uh, is very specific. Verse 11 of um, 1 Peter 2, abstain from sinful passions. Stop it. That's what he says. Two, maintain good conduct in this world. Verse 12. Uh, be subject to those who God has appointed to execute justice. Verses 13 to 15. Live the free life of God's servants and on him in the midst of this world. Well, that's what Peter says. How we are to live as God's people. Well, probably you know that I've been reading Romans, I've been telling everybody. One of the things I've been trying to do is learn Romans 12, 9 to 21. And these, I think, is a terrific mixture of how we are to love God and we are to love each other and how we are to conduct ourselves as the people of God. And this is what he says. And this is the sort of thing that I suggest we all respond to. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. As it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. 
No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. Or by so doing, you'll heap burning coals upon his head. That's the way you take revenge. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, that's our calling. And we say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I'll say a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for having mercy on us. Thank you that in the midst of this world with all its puzzle and darkness and problems and worries and concerns and hopes and fears, thank you that we are your possession, that we belong to you, that we are under your mercy. We pray that we will live as such and be good priests declaring your wonderful deeds to all the world. We pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.